Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of AMA Live. I'm your host, Tom Bilyeu, and we're going to take your questions. So fire away. Let me know what you want to talk about. And the first question comes from Venkat Iyengar. This came in via the Connect inbox, which, by the way, you can always submit uh, there as well ahead of time. And he or she says, I just turned 27, and I want to take advantage of my youth and lack of responsibility I want to spend a year traveling in the blind faith that I'll have various encounters with people, culture, etc. Am I being too naive? I know that the only way to really find your passion is by actually trying out different things and seeing what sticks and what doesn't. Do you think this year or more of traveling in the hopes that I'll magically figure things out is the way to go? Um, Sort of. So I think that there is tremendous power of being naive. And I think that being young and dumb actually works to your advantage. Kevin Kelly has an amazing concept. Kevin Kelly is the founder of Wired Magazine. And instead of going to college, he dropped out and loaded a backpack full of um, film for his still camera and wandered around Asia, all over Asia and the Middle East, and taking photos. And it's pretty extraordinary what he was able to like learn about himself while he was going. The photos that he created are absolutely just unimaginably beautiful. And he was filming what he thought were disappearing um, cultures and rituals. And so it's just really, really interesting. And in that process of fumbling around, of literally getting lost, of figuring out what he loved, of dealing with things like homesickness and how to make money while you're traveling because he literally um, didn't even have enough money to see him through the journey. And so he would have to like teach English in places. And um, at one point he was running a newsletter for um, expats living in Iran, if I remember right. I mean, really just absolutely incredible stuff. And in doing that, really began to find his footing, what he loved, what interested him enough to go and gain mastery, and just the self-assurance that comes from, I'm walking in the middle of nowhere in a country where I know exactly nobody and having to figure out his way, doing the hard things and learning, had a very extraordinary effect on his life and is one of the ways that he was able to then position himself so differently than everybody else because he so firmly embedded himself 
in, in counterculture, just in the sense that he was doing something so different. He said back then, not going to college, you basically just admitted that you were a failure and that being an entrepreneur was just another way of saying, I can't get a job. So you have to remember, this is not like it was now. So to say that you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur now, is like, it's cool, it's what people wanna do. Back then, it just meant nobody would hire you. So pretty cool that he was willing to face all of that, all go against the culture, do things that were so um, counterintuitive, and yet ends up going on to be so tremendously successful on the back of being able to think for himself and having the kind of courage that comes from throwing yourself to the wolves and knowing, I'll figure it out. So I think that there is a lot of power in, in doing what you're talking about, in going, not prematurely optimizing, getting lost, fumbling around, discovering things. I think that's hugely important. Now I will say, none of it is going to happen magically. That's the one thing that I will say, it isn't just going to magically happen. Remember, even Kevin Kelly at least loaded his backpack full of film, he knew where he was going, he knew what he wanted to photograph. And so having some sense of like what it is that you're trying to um, discover, so that I think will help you. Starting off with something that at least you find interesting. So you know, for Kevin Kelly, it may not have been any more specific than I know that I wanna take photos. And for you, maybe it's no more specific than I wanna discover new um, cultures. But even having that will tell you, don't go to you know, somewhere that is really similar to what you're already living. Like, so for instance, if I wanted to discover new cultures, going over to say England or even France would be a terrible idea because the cultures are way similar uh, to what we do here in the US. But going somewhere like the Middle East, like Sub-Saharan Africa or something like that, where it's totally different, um, then there's probably a deeper sense of that discovery. But leveraging your, it doesn't have to be youth, but leveraging your youth is very powerful. Leveraging that period in your life where nobody has the expectation of you being financially successful, that is incredibly powerful. And definitely, when you don't have responsibility, that's a way, way, way powerful time. Uh, but I will say that there are people that do extraordinary things um, even later in life when they have kids and they just find a way to cut their expenses to the quick and still go explore and fumble um, and discover. Yeah, it's just something that everybody should do at some point in their life to really find out what those things are that interest you. And then from there, you create a passion. That is not something you discover, but the thing that becomes that spark of interest, that's a discovery process. All right, Daniel Bro, Facebook, I'm looking to start a podcast. I have a great connection to a well-known in the UK broadcaster, journalist, and author who said he would help me uh, and be a guest. That's amazing. I would love to know what process you went through before you started Inside Quest and Impact Theory. Uh, what process I went to find guests? I think that's your question. Um, so I fully cheated. Remember, when I started Inside Quest, we had at 1,400 employees, we were doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue. So I had something I could lean on, which was all of that. If I were really starting from scratch, which by the way, even though we did that, the guests that I started with were, um, one of them was an employee of Quest. That episode didn't air because he wasn't happy with it. Um, but started with an employee of Quest. Then I started with a close friend who, like you, it sounds like, had, um, it was uh, Cassie Ho, if you guys know her. So amazingly popular YouTube personality, incredible human being. Um, and I knew that she had a side that she'd never talked about, which is her entrepreneurial side. And so, I, you know, get her on the show. Um, my thing was that 
I was going to be prepared to give a great interview so that everybody that I interviewed would then tell somebody else. Um, and that we would have, uh, you know, every interview that I got, I would be able to show somebody else and say, hey, this is a great interview. So even with all of the um, sort of credibility that I had behind me, I still had to earn my stripes in that way. I wasn't starting out, um, you know, with huge guests. Um, so going after people that you know, going after people that nobody else knows, but you know they have an incredible story. So it might be a friend of yours. They might be you know, 20 years old, but they went through something really interesting. And this is super important. They can articulate it. So you've got to find people that, that can articulate it. And now with social media, social media was not back then what it is now. Now you can just go out, watch YouTube videos, um, find people that are doing interesting stuff, search hashtags, and you will find people that have incredible stories and get the people with good stories that can speak, even if nobody knows who they are, even if they don't have a social following. If you can get a great interview out of them, regardless of the fact that nobody knows them, then that's going to be incredibly powerful. I will say that David Goggins, who's still our biggest episode to date, when we interviewed him, not many people knew who he was. In the book Living with a Seal, they don't name him, so he was just the seal. So um, finding people that have incredible stories that you know that are going to be able to tell it, get them on. So that's where you want to start. Don't worry about starting with big names. Just start with incredible stories. All right. Technos Media. I'm guessing that's not a God-given name. Um, hey Tom, I live in India where studies are everything. Okay, first let's time out. I'm obsessed. I want to take over India from a media perspective. So if you live in India or are from India, I want to hear from you. DM your boy. Um, so I live in India where studies are everything. No one understands why failure teaches us, why failure teaches us and taking an unconventional career uh, is common in life. Maybe what failure teaches us and taking an unconventional career in life. Um, what could I do in such a situation? All right, so you've got a lot of cultural pressure on you and I fully feel your pain and this is where you're going to have to stand up against all of that with love and compassion in your heart. This is not something where you have to rebel in some weird way where you're yelling and screaming. This is just very simply, you, you have to know what you want to do in your life and be willing to ignore what other people are saying um, and go forward and do it. Because if you believe that there's a lot to learn from failure, that's all that matters. Because by the way, there is a lot to learn from failure. And the more that you are willing to pursue something that you really believe in, the failures become um, just teachers. Like there's no downside to it because you really believe in that thing that you're trying to make come true. Failures only really hurt when you didn't care about it anyway. You were just doing it for the money, the outcome, the whatever. And it wasn't like, hey, I believe in this. I want to help these people or I want to gain this skill set or I, I love this so much. I just want to get great at it. When you have that at your back, then all of a sudden the failure at whatever, you're just going to learn and you're going to keep going. When it's something you don't care about and you fail, like imagine your parents are pushing you to be an engineer and you're failing at becoming an engineer, and you hate it, and you're failing. And so it's chipping away at your self-esteem. It's taking energy from you. Eh. That's where failure becomes a nightmare scenario. So find that thing that interests you, build it into something that is really a fascination, and then embark on the process of really gaining mastery. And from there, the world will reward you if it's something the world cares about. So you do have to be um, cognizant of that, that the only way that you're going to monetize your own interests is if the world also cares about it. Some portion of the world. It doesn't have to be a huge portion of the world, but there need to be people out there that would be willing to pay for this thing you're going to learn how to do or create or whatever. But if you have that and you 
understand the way that the world works that it may only take a thousand true fans that are willing to buy anything that you create in order to make a living. And then if you want to do something that's really grand and big, then a lot of people have to really care about it. It has to be an already understood need. Um, then you can go after it. But just doing something because your society or your parents think it's right, that is an emotional death trap. So, um, but it's going to be really hard for you in the beginning to buck that trend. That's just the way it is. So you're going to have to have that confidence in yourself that you can learn. Not that you're already good at it, but that you can learn and you're willing to go through those lean-ass years while you learn. But put at the center of your heart, no matter what you guys want to do, there is always room for the best. Now the only question remains, are you willing to become the best? It will be an extraordinary price you're going to have to pay, but... If you're willing to become the best, you're willing to put in that time and energy, then you can win. No matter what, no matter how saturated the market is, all that, none of that matters. What matters is if you're willing to get that good. Okay, Joshua Bennett, YouTube. Hey, Tom, best advice to ask for funding from others. What are the things investors look for? What has them say no? Okay, so first of all, for the most part, people are investing in people far more than they're investing in an idea. When they meet you, they need to think this motherfucker is gonna see it through. I can't emphasize that enough. I am not looking for somebody who is like, yeah, I think there's a big opportunity here. I think it's a lot of money. It's a trillion dollar market. If I just get like some small percentage of it, then we can sell this. As an investor, I will tell you right now, I would never invest in that. On the other hand, if somebody comes to me and says, I believe in this so much you can't imagine, I am willing to do whatever it takes within my code of ethics to make this come true because I would bleed for this thing, my mission, this thing that I want to come true. Like I am just, I am so committed to this. I will find a way no matter what to go into this. And in my presentation, I've now flipped roles and I'm the person doing the presentation. In my presentation, I would make sure that I showed how much thought I've already put into this how I already understand the real core problem better than most people, and that what I need the funding for is to make the prototype or to expand sales or whatever, that when you get somebody that has that infectious level of enthusiasm, it's something that aligns with what you already know and believe, so you have to really be thoughtful about the people that you choose, and that they're coming to me for a very specific reason. They understand me, they understand what I'm going for, and so they're presenting to me. They're not just presenting to people, they're presenting to me. And then most importantly, if you want to fast track your way to the front of the line, don't need the money. Oh, I know right now you're thinking, what the fuck? Why would I go get money when I don't need the money? That is the easiest time to get money when you're desperate and people can feel that you need the money, you're in real trouble, which means you need to build something that is already showing traction. You're already winning and you're going to keep winning whether you get their money or not because you started small. You didn't need a lot of upfront capital that you can do this thing. It's not some huge grand idea that's going to take $100 million to get off the ground. This is something that you're already doing right now today. You're already winning. You're already getting people into your ecosystem. That is how you get money. And when you can go to people and say, I already have 100 thousand users and I'm using a freemium model but for me to get to the next stage to really be able to charge I need to have the infrastructure to support that the sales staff all of that then it becomes far easier because you already have a hundred thousand people using your system that is hard as hell I fully understand that but when you want to win at that level there's no shortcut there's no easy way to do it there is only to have a great idea and to really be executing against that idea when you're doing that now you've got something. So that is what you have to do is 
Create something that people really, really want and don't bullshit yourself. If you're not able to get users, I can pretty much guarantee your idea just isn't that good. That's the hard reality that nobody wants to face. So put yourself in a position where you're creating something that people already really value and then going out and getting the money becomes a hell of a lot easier. And so one of the things that I would do, by the way, is get a partner that you give equity to so that you guys can really build something. So if you're not technical and you're trying to build an app or whatever, get somebody who is technical and they can help you build that out. They're gonna take a huge piece of your company, maybe up to 50%. But if you are willing to take on a partner, then you can actually create something using equity, not cash. Then you can go get your users. Then you can go get your money. But the reality is people invest in things where they can really see there's going to be a return. And that comes down to the person. Do you know that they're going to see it through? Do they have the persistence um, to get to the other side? Do they have the knowledge? Do they have some unique angle, some key um, insight that's going to allow that company to be successful? Um, And then can they show traction? Or is this really just a hope and they're coming asking for money long before they actually build something? So those are really the three things. All right. Patrick Gora, Facebook, I have seen your video on Goalcast on creating a business. If my goal is skill acquisition to produce music, should I focus now on creating capital or fully focusing on creating value so I can make my own brand? Okay, so um, if you're trying to produce music, here's the great news. Other than getting like a license to Pro Tools, this costs virtually nothing. If you're good at creating a song, you could do it in... um, GarageBand, which is like $99. It may even come free now with computers. Um, So the real thing is to get good at music. So you don't need to go out and ask for capital. Um, I think that's how you're using that there. So yeah, worrying about that. Don't worry about going and getting money. Go make awesome songs, especially make beats and give them like now again with social media. This is so easy. If you're a songwriter and you want to get your songs in front of hundreds of thousands of people, go out and find a YouTuber, find a a social influencer that you think you could make their content better by letting them use your songs for free and all you ask in exchange is credit, that that is huge. Just asking them, I want to be the first link on your video. So when you post this video, you can use my music 100%, but just make sure that at the very top it says music credit, buy, and then your link. Doing that is one of the ways that you'd be able to get a massive amount of attention if your song is good. So there, this is uh, one of those places where you just want to focus on getting really good, getting really good. And this is the lost art to me in the social space. Everybody worries about getting a following. Nobody thinks about becoming extraordinary. Become extraordinary. The following will happen. So when I started doing impact theory, literally starting from scratch, nobody knew who I was. It all came down to our obsession with making the best show, which meant that I was going to have to work my ass off. And that's what we did. And so when you focus on that, when you focus on value creation, making something so amazing that when people see it, they want more of it, they want to tell people, you can win. So you happen to be in an area where the only thing that really matters is getting great at that thing. There are no more gatekeepers in your world. All right, Josh Blunt, Facebook. Hey, Tom, I'm 29 and I'm 100% sure that I found my passion. That's amazing. And am willing to put in more effort than anybody at achieving it. You've talked about finding a mentor and interning for them. But that can be very, oh, and that can be very powerful. Uh, What would that process look like? So here are the magic words. 
You're going to go to whoever is living your idealized life and you're going to say the following. Um, I'm willing to work harder and smarter than anyone you've ever met and I'm willing to do it for free. I'll do it for 90 days and if at the end of that 90 days I'm so valuable to you that you'd rather pay me than lose me, then pay me. If not, we shake hands and part ways and you got some free labor and I got connections. And that's your ask. The only thing you're asking instead of money is you're asking for some of their time and their connections and that's it. And you'll swap it out for that. And then, and here's the key, and this is where people fall down. This, in fact, what I'm about to say, this is what separates people. I want you to imagine me. I've actually thought, if I didn't need to build this company, here's what I would do. I would do a fucking show where I would go to somebody and I would start low on the totem pole. I would give them the exact pitch that I just gave you. And then I would focus so relentlessly on anticipating their needs, not waiting until they ask, anticipating their needs, figuring out what they do, what's important to them, what slows them down. I would figure that out without them having to tell me to. I would figure out how I could anticipate their needs and then nothing, nothing would be beneath me. If they asked me to pick up dog shit, I would pick it up. If they asked me to take out the trash, I would take it out. In fact, I would do it without being asked. If I saw that it needed to be done, I would do it. I would identify the problems that they face, the things that are slowing them down, that are stopping them, stopping their company, and I would just make those problems go away. Here's what you're trying to do. You are trying to create, burn this into your soul. You are trying to create the fear of loss. Create the fear of loss. You want to make sure that people are afraid to lose you. Once someone is afraid to lose you, you are in a power position. I've often thought about this with people who think their manager steals their ideas and all that stuff. Do you know how powerful it is to have a manager that's stealing your ideas? They're at your fucking whim. Like if you don't bring them an idea, they've got nothing. They can't do it for themselves. I can't think of a better position to be in if I want to be in power than to have somebody who doesn't have their own ideas and all they can do is steal from me. Fantastic. I'm going to be such a wealth of ideas and then when that opportunity to get what I want and what I need for advancement comes, then I will say, hey, I want to do this thing, I want to move up, whatever. And in that moment, I know that I have the power because what are they going to do? If they say no, I'm so powerful, they're stealing my ideas. I can take that power anywhere I want. So if you're doing so good and your projects are so amazing that people steal them from you, you are in the power position. And the only thing that will fuck you up is one, if you have fear of the unknown, get over that right now. Number two, if you don't have six months of money saved up, I would live in a hovel if I needed to. I used to manage apartment complexes so that my rent was zero. Now, it's painful, but that's how I got an apartment for nothing. And then I couldn't afford to furnish it, fair enough, but I had a roof over my head and I had somewhere to sleep. I slept on an air mattress, which cost $20. I slept on an air mattress for... I don't know, three or four years. At one point, it cost $20. Let's remember that. This is how broke I was. It cost $20 and I slept on it even though it deflated every night and I slept on an air mattress I had to re-blow up every day for a year. Now that's dumb and I should have just saved the $20 and gone to buy it, but that's how important $20 was to me at the time. I say that because you can bring your expenses so low that you can get away with saving very little money and it lasting you six months. I even had student loan debt at that time. You can 
write them, call them, whatever the mechanism is, probably online these days, and get put on a payment plan that's more reasonable and just let them know, hey, I need to defer for a couple months, whatever. They'll work with you as long as you're communicative. So the moral of this story is you can whittle your expenses down to the fucking quick. I was eating Tina's burritos. They were three for 99 cents. I lived on anything that I could buy in bulk. And because of that, if you have your six months saved up, and you're the person generating the ideas, you are in the power position because you either get what you want or you go somewhere else. But you're never beholden to somebody. You never have to stay somewhere you don't want to be. So when you've created fear of loss and you can actually leave, there's so much power in that. So anyway, that's how I would get somebody who was the person living my idealized life, I would get them to do for me. So anticipate their needs, never let anything be below you have six months saved up, have absolutely just to the quick expenses, and then actually outwork people. A lot of people say they're going to outwork people, but then they don't. And so if you can actually do it and you, you've picked the right person, this is a huge part of it, you have to pick the right person because going into that world needs to energize you. And if it's just robbing from you and you just feel emotionally tired, you just won't see it through. All right, Simon Gadd, this is from YouTube. Hi, Tom. What, who is your favorite poet? Who is my favorite poet? Um, will you let me say Jay-Z? If you'll give me Jay-Z, Jay-Z is by far my favorite poet. I used to read poetry obsessively, but I haven't read poetry obsessively like that in probably 20 years. Um, so Allen Ginsberg used to be my favorite poet, uh, but now I'm going to go with Jay-Z. All right, Tiffany Froud. Facebook. Hi, Tom. I'm 23, but I feel 50. God, this is so interesting. I really wish you were sitting next to me. I have so many questions already. I'm a mom of two and have massive dreams and drive to be successful. I have no time and I'm not sure I can be successful and a mom. Help, please. Huge fan, by the way. All right, Tiffany, thank you so much for writing. It's so interesting to me. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. First, systems, man. When you have kids, systems, routines, schedules, they are the only thing that's going to save you. But you're going to have to be a psycho about this. If your kids go to bed, I don't know how old they are, but I'm going to guess if you're 23, they're relatively young. So they're going to go to bed at like seven or eight. They're going to really fucking squawk in the beginning. It doesn't matter. Like a Nazi, you're going to put them to bed every night at the same time over and over and over. Go watch episodes of Super Nanny. That show was amazing, and when I was still considering having kids, I watched it like it was a religion. So go check that show out. Schedules, routines, getting the kids to bed, getting them well-slept. When they're well-slept, they're going to be much more better behaved. Then you're going to make sure that in some of the time where the kids are sleeping, so let's say they go to bed at 8, you're going to stay up maybe till 10. Does that seem reasonable, depending on what time your kids get up? So let's say that from 8 to 10, that you've got time there where... It's, that's going to be the you time. That's going to be the time where two hours a day, seven days a week, you're going to feed your soul. You're going to learn. You're going to be going after whatever it is you're trying to build. At two hours a day, seven days a week, that's 14 hours a week that you're building towards something. If you, unfortunately, I can't do the math in my head, but if you take that times 365, that's a lot of fucking hours. And instead of watching shows or whatever, you're going to be building towards your dream, which a lot of that is just going to be learning. It's going to be skill acquisition. It's going to be getting better. But that is going to be you time. And you need to pay yourself in time just like you save money. So you're going to be taking that and you need to be well rested as well so that you're able to um, operate at, at a high cognitive level. So 
Um, that's going to be huge. And then really, you got to map everything out. You can't ever lose a second to thinking about what you should be doing. So you're going to do your important things list. That is absolutely critical. Get your important things. Always have the list so that the second you have downtime, if it's in the line at the grocery store, you pull it up, you know what your important things are, boom, you attack anything that you can do. Um, optimize things as much as you can do where uh, you can do it on your phone. That is hugely impactful. Um, any spare time, what I call transitional moments, you're gonna be reading. You guys would be freaked out if you saw how often, it, it was getting so bad, I now can't wear my Bose headphones all the time because it began to chafe around my head. That is how often I had them on because at, if I'm in the gym, I'm reading. If I'm uh, brushing my teeth, I'm reading. The only time that I used to but don't anymore is in the shower. I use that for meditation now. But anyway, man, like, that's how often I'm reading. I'm taking in some information to empower myself to learn something that I need to make my dreams come true. Okay, so um, I'll stop at that. We could really go on for a long time if I knew more about your situation and where you were really struggling. But if I had to guess, it's, it's those systems, the routines, the habits. You've got to get your kids into that so that you have that time for yourself. And you have to be crazy religious about it, which means you're not going to be able to go out and party. And by the way, I have no sympathy for that. I sold, I didn't even have kids. I sold my 20s and most of my 30s. I didn't go out, I didn't party, I didn't play, nothing. I worked, I worked. I didn't even really start dating until I was like 24, 25. Um, so my wife, I've said this before, this is not exactly a secret, but my wife was the first like real relationship I ever had because I didn't spend time dating because I was fucking working. So. That's why it's important to do things you love. I have so many more questions about why you feel 50. Um, but anyway, there you go. That'll get you started. Come back, ask more questions, give me more clarity. I'm super intrigued by that. All right, Daniel Breeze, YouTube. How do you get rid of fear of the unknown? That's the biggest thing stopping me from everything I want. Okay, what is the truthful answer to that? You need to believe to the core of your being that you can learn to deal with any situation. Think about this. This is one of those stupid things, I'm gonna say it, but it's so profound in its simplicity and truth. Everything you've ever gone through in your life, think of the craziest shit that happened to you. All of it, you survived. Everything that's ever happened to you in your life with 100% um, accuracy, you have survived. So the odds of that next unknown thing being anything more than stressful is essentially zero. It's not going to kill you. So once you know that, then it's like, if everything in your life up to this point you figured out how to either um, deal with or get out of, then you know whatever is coming tomorrow, you're going to deal with or get out of. It's happened 100% of the time leading up to this. There's a book called The Rational Optimist by a guy named Matt Ridley. And he said, it is insane to me that the world keeps predicting that the future is gonna suck. He said, you've literally had hundreds of thousands of years of evolution where the future was always better and somehow, Every generation predicts that the world is falling apart and that the future is going to suck. He's like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, just statistically speaking, it doesn't make sense. So I'm telling you, if your life has worked out so far, it may not be exactly what you want. You've gone through hard times, no question, but none of it's killed you. You found a way to deal with or get out of every situation you have ever been in. So the same is true of the unknown. So as you step into something crazy and new and you have no idea how you're going to figure it out, you're going to figure it out. Somehow, some way, you will figure out a way through it or out of it.
That's just the reality. So because I have that loop in my head, I'm just like, well, this is gonna work out somehow. It may suck for a little while, but it's not gonna kill me. I'm gonna get on the other side of this. And because I know everything teaches me something about myself, doing the hard things is how you get better. Getting into the unknown is way better than staying in my comfort zone. I know that I'm not gonna learn anything in my comfort zone. Like I'm just gonna be really vulnerable and share something with you guys. I've been hired to speak uh, for a free diving convention, I guess. And they want me to actually go free dive with them. Now look up thalassophobia if you don't know that. That is my fucking deepest fear in this world. The movie Open Water is my nightmare. Literally, there, there is quite literally nothing I am more afraid of than the open ocean. And yet, when they asked, what did I say? Yes, obviously. It's going to be hard, it's super terrifying, which means that I need to move towards it. And I promised everyone in this company that I would do whatever it takes within my code of ethics to build this company. So how can I have somebody offering me a lot of fucking money and me say, no, I'm not gonna do that because it scares me. You can't live like that. So even though I have legitimate fear and anxiety over doing this, those are the things that I move towards. I always say yes. So say yes, figure that shit out. Like it's not because I have anything going for me other than what I just told you. Everything in my life, I have either made it through or gotten out of, period. So since I have won 100% of the time, of course I'm gonna say yes and just do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. So that's how you get ahead, man. That You step into the unknown knowing you'll figure it out some fucking how. Jessica N, YouTube. I'm just curious, do you have a higher power? I think I know what you mean. Um, did you ever believe in God? There we go. Uh, if so, when and why did that change? Jessica, and I really hate this question. Um, and I hate this question because when it comes to stuff like this, man, people have to do what feels right to them. So I'm going to give you an answer because I don't want to be the schmuck that just dodges the question. Um, I used to be very religious. Um, I believed pretty fervently in a very traditional God. That was how I was raised. Um, and for me and me alone, and I trust me when I say I do not push my beliefs on people, um, it just didn't make sense with my experience. Now, I will say it is so abundantly clear to me that there is something I don't understand, something bigger than me, a higher power. Um, there, there's just no question. I can't explain how the universe exists, and therefore I have to admit there is something so devastatingly big and unknown to me. Um, I'm way, way, way open to being wrong. Um, but yeah, I don't have any traditional beliefs like that. I went through a hardcore Western religious phase. I went through a hardcore Eastern religious phase. Um, and now at the end of the day, um, while I am deeply aware that there is something that I don't understand and I will consider myself spiritual, um, I'm spiritual in the sense of like human experience. This experience of living leaves me in awe so frequently um, and I just try to commune with that sense of awe. But I definitely think of things from a biological um, neurochemical standpoint. I think of myself as a um, chemical processing plant and I view life through that lens. That there is wonderment, that there is something I don't understand, that being alive is so profoundly beautiful that to not commune with that beauty and the um, just resplendent nature of being a part of something that you don't truly understand and letting yourself be in awe of that um, I think is, is really incredible and beautiful and because I don't understand, man, when I say that I'm open to everyone's beliefs and I don't try to get people to believe like I believe. And um, there's a great quote from 
Abraham Lincoln, which I actually think is Abraham Lincoln, even though that's become like a meme. Um, he said, I don't give uh, a hoot. That's not the word he used, but I'm paraphrasing. I don't give a hoot about anyone's religion unless it makes their dog's life better. And I'll just agree with that. If it makes you a better person and you're kinder and more interested in helping other people, I am all for it. If it leads you to the crusades and you're slaughtering people by the, uh, you know, um, the, what is the word I'm looking for? Yeah, but I like the type, the, yes, genocide. What? I am having a stroke. Anyway, um, it's not species. But nonetheless, if you're killing lots and lots of people, then you lost me. So if it makes your life better, the lives of the people around you better, your dog's life better, then I'm all for it. I think it's beautiful. All right. Um, Hamin Garani, this is Facebook. Is it better to pay off family and friends' debt first or grow the company first? Is it better to walk to school or carry a lunch? I don't know what those two things have to do with each other. Is it better to pay off family and friends' debt first? Well, it's definitely not better to pay off your friend's debt. Like, that's just crazy town. Um, and probably not better. Unless someone is coming to, like, break your, like, mom's legs or something, definitely better to focus on growing the company. So I feel like I need... So either this question is as simple as I think it is, in which case it's absolutely crazy and grow the company first, um, or like someone's really in danger and there's like loan sharks involved or something, um, in which case you um, can help them, but wow. Um, you're going to hobble your company and put yourself in a position where you may not be able to help yourself or anyone in the future. Like understand, companies are delicate animals and they can collapse and disappear overnight. You get companies that are over 100 years old that in the span of a couple years cease to exist. So building a company is brutal. The world is coming after you. Um, your company, as they say, is not a piggy bank. So you have to be really careful to do things that are good for the company and obviously thusly good for your employees. Um, and remember, you have a real obligation to your employees. So yeah, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Jerem C. YouTube, do you feel that getting a master's degree just because is a waste of time? Yes. Should I be putting my time elsewhere to maximize success? Yes. Um, so... I wouldn't do anything just cuz. Yeah, I literally can't think of anything I do just cuz. Just cuz I love it. Just cuz it gives me more energy than it takes. Sure. So if you love the thing that you're pursuing to get your master's degree and it's a lot of fun, you're not taking on a lot of debt, rad, go for it. Um, but if it's literally just cuz, yeah, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. First, you need to define success for you. Um, I would like to put forth that the definition of success is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. So being proud of yourself, feeling like you're contributing to the group. That to me is success. It isn't money. Uh, it's not fame. It's not prestige. It's none of those things. Um, it is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. Um, so focus on that and the rest will take care of itself. All right, Goncalo Costa, YouTube. Hey, Tom, any advice for someone looking to move to the U.S.? I'm 20, live in a country that doesn't inspire me, have no college degree and no professional experience. How do I get a working visa? 
um, you won't be able to get a working visa unless you can change that sentence to, I am so good at what I do that any company that becomes aware of me would want to import me. That's the truth. That's how you get a working visa. You've got to dazzle people with your abilities. There's actually a visa for it. It's called extraordinary talent or something like that. Um, so you need to get so good at something that your talents cannot be denied that even from you know, halfway around the world, you're able to get a company's attention. So I would focus all of your time and energy on becoming extraordinary. And I would just tell you that we have employees, um, well, independent contractors that we use. One of them lives in Iran. Uh, we've got a guy in Brazil. So it's not like you can't, no matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, which you obviously do because you're writing into this, um, you can make it clear what your skill set is. Uh, so focus on that. All right, Robert, Alex, uh, this is from Facebook. Do you think it is okay to give 50% in equity to the tech person in our partnership? It's a bit risky that in the future I will struggle to drive my idea where I want. Okay, so I think it is absolutely okay to give 50%. If you know that person to the core of your being and you recognize that a business partnership is like a marriage. So if you would marry that person in that sense, being that close, that connected, all of that to them, then absolutely. So my wife in our business has 50% of the ownership, which means that we are headed um, for potential disaster if we can't manage our relationship. But I am so confident that we can manage our relationship that that to me, to, to give her that sign was just super obvious. Uh, I wanted to do that. I wanted her to know and know in certain terms. I don't just like pay lip service to the fact that we are total equals, um, but we for real are equals. But then you can also do things like 5149. You could do things where their shares don't have voting rights. I mean, there's a thousand ways to do this. Um, so yeah, the, don't think that the only way to do something is that it's an even split. Now we have equal control of the company. You don't have to do that. You know, you have to give them 50%. Um, but if you think that they're going to bring 50% of the value, then finding a way to structure that so that you can still control the company um, and not be outvoted or create a deadlock. And you can even just put in mechanisms for how do we um, overcome a deadlock. So for instance, you could say, okay, we're equal partners. We have equal votes. But whenever we come to a deadlock, it is a person of my sole choosing that breaks the deadlock. Literally, you can do stuff like that and just put it into the operating agreement of your company. Okay, so there's a thousand ways. Start researching um, creative contract um, clauses and things like that to figure out and just find something that um, works for both of you. So, and you can just say, like, when I brought everyone onto this company, I said no in certain terms. Let's be really, really clear. I want your ideas. I want you guys to bring the full weight of your personality and your talents, and I want to hear what you think. But if we ever come to loggerheads and I'm not convinced that your idea is the right way, we will go with my idea every time. And if you're not comfortable with that, then don't come on the company. Now, we'd work together so they knew what I was like. They knew that I truly want to know, that I listen whenever humanly possible. I'm not precious about my ideas. I just want the right idea. So they, to a person, they all took the leap. Um, but I was brutally honest, so I encourage the same. All right, we have to sign off. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. It is amazing. I'm always grateful for these questions. It is absolutely Awesome. Thank you guys so much. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Everything is My Fault. So go right now to shop.impacttheory.com and check it out. We have new merch up there, by the way. We have a whole new mindset collection. Check it out. Self-signaling will change your life. All right. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. 
Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.